when all of this situation began happening with the coronavirus and the fears and things, the Lord led me to begin preaching just a couple messages on faith, and that's turned into a little a little series on faith. Uh, it's been an encouragement to me. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. You can go back on our church website and listen to those uh, sermons that you may have missed the last few weeks. But for the next few weeks as well, uh, probably one message a Sunday, one message a week will be on faith as we're building a case for faith. Uh, we talked about uh, living by faith and be not faithless but believing. Uh, I wonder if you've thought about the five kinds of faith there are in the Bible. We'll talk about that. Uh, do you know how to increase your faith? We'll talk about that. But today I want to preach a very simple message uh, entitled, Faith Pleases God. Faith Pleases God. Now that's something we all know. If you've been saved very long, if you know the scriptures at all, we know faith pleases God. But I want to show you why and to what extent. I think the average Christian misunderstands or doesn't really comprehend what an important truth that is. Faith pleases God. It goes so far that the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Think about that. Impossible. And so let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1. Yes, thank you. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, the Word of God says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying his, of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him, for before his, testimony, before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God, inspired, preserved. Uh, thank you for the copies we hold and we have. And Lord, we look to it today. Please unlock its mysteries to us. Help us to understand the importance of faith in our lives and how a true faith pleases you and can open up doors to us that nothing else can. I thank you that you've made salvation so accessible that we can come by faith. We have to come by faith. I thank you that the way to please you is available. We can please you with faith. And so I pray that you'd speak to our hearts now, calm our hearts in this crazy world, and help us to realize that it is faith that makes a difference in our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Think about that phrase, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now that word impossible means not possible. The Bible's not saying it's hard to please God without faith. 
The Bible's not saying it's difficult to please God without faith. The Bible is saying it is not possible to please God Almighty without faith. What a dramatic statement and what an absolute edict. We understand that faith is central to the Christian life. Without faith, we cannot please God. Without faith, we cannot uh, be saved. Uh, Through faith, we accomplish everything from the ordinary to the impossible. Now, just by way of review, what is faith? And we've talked about this often. What is faith? Bible faith is belief in God and His Word. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 gives us God's definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we're not going to dive into that too deeply because we have in the last few weeks. But we don't have a a faith without foundation. The Bible says that our faith has substance and our faith has evidence. You may not see these things, but our faith is sure and firm. Bible faith is belief in God and His Word. Here's a simple definition of faith. Faith is the measure of your personal confidence in God. Faith is the measure of your personal confidence in God. How much faith do you have? What is the level of your personal confidence in God? Faith is the noun form of words like believe and trust. So the Christian life begins with faith and we live by faith daily. Through faith we are saved, we sanctify, we are sanctified and we serve. So faith is Vital to the Christian life. We understand that. And without faith, the scripture today says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, the Bible gives us a couple illustrations of faith, and we'll have a whole message on that in a few weeks. Illustrations of faith found here in Hebrews chapter 11. But it gives us uh, several. First, in verse 2, it says, for by it, faith, the elders obtained a good report. See, every, every person you know of in the Bible, the good they did was from God and they accomplished it through faith. But verse 3 says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Even creation itself, we understand through faith, is from God. Uh, verse 4 says, by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So you remember the story. God told them to bring an offering. Uh, Cain was a tiller of the ground, and he brought some vegetables. Uh, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and he brought a blood sacrifice. And God said, Abel, I accept your sacrifice, and Cain, I reject your sacrifice. Why? Because God told them a blood sacrifice was required. All the way back when Adam and Eve first sinned, that God had to kill an innocent animal and bring them skins to wear, symbolizing the righteousness of the coming Christ, but innocent blood had to be shed for their sin and nakedness to be covered. Cain and Abel knew a blood sacrifice was required. But Cain said, I will not. I believe there's another way. And Abel said, I believe God. And we see Abel's faith. Verse 5 talks about the faith of Enoch. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And of course, he's an Old Testament uh, symbol, shadow of the rapture, the coming rapture of the saints. Both he and Elijah died without death. 
They were translated up to God, going from this earthly life to the heavenly life without the process of death. Now, most of us will go through the process of death in order to enter heaven. But the rapture, the coming rapture, we will be translated uh, and changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, as 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us. What was it that Enoch had? The Bible said that before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Think about that. Enoch pleased God. I have a question. Do you please God? Do I please God? Are our lives pleasing to God? Well, what did Enoch do? What was so special about Enoch? His faith. See, it was Enoch's faith that pleased God. It was Abel's faith that pleased God. And verse 6 gives us a contrast. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It's not just that faith is one way to please God, and there's a lot of others. It's that faith is the only way to please God. Faith is the only way to come to God. Now, why is that? Let me offer two possible reasons that it's impossible to please God without faith. The first reason is there is nothing in us to please God outside of faith. There's nothing in us to please God outside of faith. You say, but oh, I'm a good person. That's not what the Bible says. Oh, I'm very religious. I've done a lot of good things. That's not what the Bible says. See, sometimes you and I, we can compare ourselves among ourselves and we can feel good about ourselves. You know, if, if I compare myself to a serial killer, I feel pretty good about myself. But the standard that we have to reach in order to please God is not being better than your neighbor. It's the perfection of God Almighty Himself. That's why the Bible says it's not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves, and that's for salvation and that's for service. Everybody in here, uh, everybody under the sound of my voice, it is not you compared to someone else of how we should measure ourselves. We must measure ourselves with the Word of God. We must measure ourselves with the testimony of Christ. That's the measuring stick. But see, it's impossible to please God without faith because there is nothing in us to please God outside of faith. We are sinners and God is holy. Our sin cries out for judgment. Think about Romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 12. As it is written, there is none righteous. Well, what about... No. What about the Pope? No. What about Mother Teresa? No. What about some Hindu figure? No. What about some philanthropist given billions of dollars? No. There's none righteous. And then the Bible finishes that verse by saying, No, not one. Almost God answering the questions. What about? No, not one. Verse 11 says, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. See, if you have ever sought after God, it's because the goodness of God was drawing you to God, not some goodness out of yourself. Verse 12 says, they are all gone out of the way, they are, all, are together become unprofitable, 
There is none that doeth good, no, not one. A lot of people today have trouble believing that. They have a mindset that says, no, I'm a pretty good person. No, the Bible says you're a sinner. Sin is breaking God's law. A sin is doing what you know you shouldn't do and not knowing what you should do. And the Bible says if you've broken one, then you're guilty of them all. We are all sinners, and our sin cries out for judgment. Even for the Christian, there is no good in our flesh. Romans chapter 7, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. See, even the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There is nothing in my flesh, there is nothing in your flesh that can please God. The only good in me is God in me. And the only good in you is God in you. Even our attempts at righteousness are like filthy rags to God. It's a tough pill for some to swallow. Even our attempts at righteousness. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade away as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Scholars tell us the words filthy rags can be translated as a menstruous cloth. All attempts at praise, worship, sacrament, sacrifice, good works, and good intentions are meaningless without the redemptive work of Christ. It's meaningless. God looks at your church attendance, filthy rags. God looks at your gifts, filthy rags. He looks at your sacrifice, filthy rags. There is nothing in you outside of faith in Christ that is good. You can fight against that your whole life if you want. Or you can submit to the word of God and say, I believe what God said. That's faith. Faith believes God. God does not love us because we are good or worthy. God loves us in spite of ourselves because He is love. Now see, folks, that will take an awful lot of pressure on you if you just rest in that. God, doesn't, God didn't save you because you were worth saving. He saved you because Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins. God didn't love you because you were worth loving. The Bible says, but... God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait for us to get better to offer salvation. He said, I'm offering you salvation to make you better. God doesn't love me anymore because I'm a preacher. God doesn't love me anymore because I go to church. God loves me because He loves me. We shouldn't live for God to earn His love because He loves us already. But we should live for God to honor Him. We should live for God because He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We should live for God to 
seek his favor, his blessing, but never his love. God loves us in spite of us. See, there's nothing in us outside of faith. And it's only the perfect shed blood of Christ that can cleanse our souls from sin. So why is it impossible to please God? There's nothing in us to please God outside of faith. And the second reason I'll offer is every meaningful relationship is built upon trust. Think about that. Think about every relationship in your life. Every relationship that's meaningful is built on trust. How can you have a relationship with God if you don't trust Him? A spouse trusts their husband or wife to keep the marriage vows. An employee trusts the boss to pay him. The pastor trusts the members to seek God and obey His commandments. The members trust the pastor to walk with God and rightly divide the word. Brothers trust sisters Parents trust children. Children trust parents. Every meaningful relationship is built upon trust. And how can we have a relationship with God without trust? Trust is the foundation of growth and security. Where there is no trust, there is pain and turmoil in a relationship. Would you believe that? We know that by experience, don't we? I've done a lot of marriage counseling over the years, and it's easy for people when trust is broken. A husband doesn't trust a wife anymore. A wife doesn't trust a husband anymore. The mind begins just to run wild with what could be and what might be. Well, where are they now? What are they doing now? Who are they with? Are they really at work? Are they really at the store? One of the things I have to to teach people when we're trying to repair a relationship is the one who's been offended, you can't play detective. You can't play detective trying to find out are they are they really where they're they really here? Where they what what they do yesterday? Where where were they? That trust has to be rebuilt and with Christ and through Christ it can be. Let me encourage every marriage out there and every relationship out there. Maybe you've 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 fallen out with your parents or parents with children or a brother or sister or friend with friend or church member or church member or a husband and wife. Relationships can be restored with repentance and forgiveness. That's how our relationship with God is restored. And if you can be made right with the holy God through repentance and forgiveness, we can be made right with anybody through the same formula. But there's no doubt When trust is broken, there's pain and heartache. And relationships can be completely severed because of broken trust. See, in the light of these two facts, it makes perfect sense that we cannot please God on our own. We must come to God on His terms, faith. It's interesting People who don't know the Bible try to please God in a lot of various ways. And as I was meditating on the message, I, I couldn't help but think of the story of Balak and Balaam. And you can read that on your own, Numbers chapter 23 and the, the surrounding chapters. There's a wicked king, Balaam and he, Balak, and he wanted 
uh, to curse the people of Israel. He was worried about them. He wanted God to curse them. Uh, but his ways weren't working. His religions weren't working. So he sought out a prophet named Balaam to curse Israel. And God would not allow Balaam to curse Israel. And when God wouldn't allow the prophet to curse Israel, Balak, the king, thought that, well, maybe location's the problem. Maybe God just doesn't want us to curse Israel here, so let's go over here. And then they tried that. And then, well, okay, so God didn't want us to curse Israel here, and so we'll go over here and try to curse Israel. And even Balaam, three times. He asked God about it three times. God had to tell him no. Well, maybe, maybe God will do it this time. Well, well, maybe God will do it this time. You see, when we don't know the scriptures, we, we can come up with all kinds of weird things and ideas that might please God. We can justify anything. The, the fact was God was never going to curse Israel because they were his people. If you know the scriptures, you know that. And there are certain things that God will not do because he said he won't do them. There are certain things God will always do because he said he would do them. And the more we know about God and the more we know the scriptures, then the more we know about how to have faith and to please God. You know, people who don't know the Bible have all kinds of weird ideas about what God thinks is acceptable. Some people believe there are certain sins that are acceptable in some locations, but not in others. There are some Christians that you'll do things at home that you would never do in church. You'll do things in private that you would never do around your family. When the Bible teaches us that if it's ever been wrong, it's still wrong. And if it's ever been right, that it's still right. Some conjecture that activity God calls sin is actually tolerable under, under certain circumstances. It's not uncommon for people to think, well, I, I know that you shouldn't be immoral unless you really love the person. See, the sin of fornication is okay if, if you really love them. No, God says the sin of fornication is sin unless you're in the marriage bed. It doesn't matter whether you're in an alley, a home, a hotel, backseat of a car. It's all wrong. And you can take that through every area of life. If you don't know the Bible and you don't know how to please God, you can get these weird ideas about, well, it's okay this time because, and I know I probably shouldn't, but God will let me because, and I would never do that over there, but I can do it over here because it must be okay here. No, faith is how we please God. Not trying to make God conform to what we want and what we think and our desires, but learning what God says and believing what God says. That's a faith that pleases God. If it's ever been a sin, it will always be a sin. If it's ever been right, it will always be right. Truth is eternal and our God never changes. Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Aren't you glad you don't have to worry about what kind of mood God was in when you woke up this morning? Aren't you glad you don't have to worry about, well, what does God think today? He thinks the same thing he's always thought. See, the Bible tells us plainly what pleases God and what displeases him. The question is, do you have the faith to believe that? Do you believe God? Now, back to our text verse, verse 6, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. 
It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And then it gives us two necessary components of faith that pleases God. The first is that you have to believe that God exists. All right. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That makes sense. If you're going to please God by faith, you first have to believe that he's there. God's not the Easter bunny. God's not the tooth fairy. God's not Santa Claus. He's real. And supernatural faith begins with believing that there is a God. But take that one step further. Bible faith is believing that there is one God as he revealed himself in Scripture. You know, there's a difference. There's a lot of people that believe in God, air quotes, but it's a God of their own fashion. It's a God of their own making. I mean, they might as well go out and chop down a tree and take 18 inches of it and carve it into some idol. Uh, It's not the true God. A lot of people believe in God, but is he the real God, the one and only God, the God as he's revealed himself in Scripture? Think about this. Creation tells us that there must be a creator. If you boil it down to just basic common sense, if you look around at everything there is in the world, from the smallest atom uh, running with mathematical precision to a universe larger than we can comprehend running with mathematical precision, and you say that this is all a product of accidents, beneficial accidents over an unknown amount of time, it takes more faith to believe that than it does believe that there's a God somewhere who put all this stuff in motion. And verse 3 of chapter 11 even addresses our faith in the Creator. Look at Hebrews eleven three. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that in 1 John. The Bible tells us that in Genesis chapter 1, that God spoke everything into existence. Now, through faith, we understand that. Now, why does it take faith? Because you weren't there when he did it. You weren't there when it happened. It's faith. By the way, the scientist wasn't there when it happened. There's no experiment that can prove what happened. All the doctrines and philosophies and teachings about the origin of the universe are faith-based. There is no data to prove what happened. Well, I know this and this and this experiment and this experiment. All extrapolations of what could have happened. Well, we know this and and the, 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 the Big Bang and, the, and the, the planets are moving apart at a certain rate and all this. All conjecture. All extrapolations based on what you see now, you take what you see now and say, okay, with what we see and what we've observed, we believe this is what happened and it kind of makes sense, but it's all faith. Matter of fact, the word even says that. Finish Hebrews 11.3. It says that the worlds were framed by God so that the things which are seen today were not made of things which do appear. Now, this is so vital. See, false science tells you that that all we can do is look at what we see, and everything we see today is based upon other things we can see. 
Uh, the doctrine of uniformitarianism. You know, it's always happened the way that it's happening today. The only things possible are what we see today. That's falsehood. The Bible clearly tells us that the things which you see now didn't come from the things which you see now. There is an uncaused cause. There is a creator bigger than all of it. Just like the Bible says in Hebrews that the builder of the house has more glory than the house itself. You can look at any house and say, wow, that's a nice house. But then you think, wow, I wonder who built that. They had a lot of ingenuity. Uh, one of the men in our church works, works with a group of people who build multi-million dollar houses down, uh, uh, down on the ocean. And you go and you see all these circles and curves in the, the engineering and the materials used. And you look at that uh, $7 million house uh, sitting right on the Atlantic Ocean and you say, wow, that's a nice house. But the house doesn't get more honor and glory than the person who put it together. And all of our world today walks around saying, wow, look at our house. This is all here by accident. This is all, this is all, they don't use the word miracle, but it's a miracle that comes from nothing. And it's here for no reason. No. That's the height of foolishness. God's the one that should get the glory for creation. And by faith, we understand that he framed the world just like he said he would. See, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Creation tells us there must be a creator. Every people group in the world believes in a higher power. Unless... They've had enough education to blind them from the obvious. The only people in the world who reject a higher power are those that have been in school too long. Listening to the wrong people. God has put it within us. We're all born with the knowledge that there's something greater than us. So we admit that there must be a God. But how can we know who this God is? Are the finite wise or powerful enough to learn the deep truths of the infinite? No. See, God must reveal himself to us. God must reveal himself to us. Just like the ant can't possibly understand the complexities of your life. The amoeba can't possibly understand uh, everything that's on you and, and your thoughts and your ways and why you do what you do. Neither can you and I understand an infinite God. It's an impossibility. So God reaches down. God condescends to us and says, let me teach you about me. And it's only through the scriptures, only through the Revelation of God that we can learn who this God is. You think about the Apostle Paul and he walked into this amphitheater where they had gods for everything. But they had one little shrine that said to the unknown God. 
And the Apostle Paul began to preach and tell them that this is the God that you know exists, but you don't know who he is. I'm going to reveal to to you who he is, and he's actually the God of gods. And he preached a powerful salvation message. See, a lot of people know that there is a God, but they don't know who God is. We know through the scriptures, he tells us his name is Jehovah. He tells us he had a son named Jesus Christ. He tells us there's a Holy Spirit. He tells us who he is and why we're here. But it's through revelation. See, faith pleases God, but it's it's a faith that believes that God exists, but not just that there is a God, but that God is exactly who he says he is. Does that make sense to you? There's a second element of faith that pleases God. And this is faith that believes that God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Look back at our text, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, that's the first, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So faith that pleases God says, okay, God, I believe that you're there. And I believe that you keep your word. I believe you reward those who seek you. The Bible teaches that God's a giver. Amen. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is a giver. I mean, just consider all He gave us. He gave us a universe to exist in. He gave us a world to live in, a body in which to dwell, a mind to think, hands to work, feet to walk, a mouth to speak, ears to hear. God gave us a purpose in life. He gave us a book to study, eternal principles by which to live. This list could go on for days, couldn't it? All the things God's given us. God's a giver. But more than a giver, God wants you to know He's a rewarder. See, some things God gives to us just because He's God. Some things God gives to everybody. He gives saved and lost life, air, food, water, a mind, a will, a heart. But see, God reserves some special things for those that seek Him. He's a rewarder. God gives some things freely, but other items of worth can be earned. The Bible is filled with if-then promises. God often says, if you will do this, then I will do this. He's a rewarder. If you trust me and seek me and believe me, and you... Seek that, then I will reward you with what I told you. Consider just a few of these if-then promises from these famous Bible scriptures. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Did you catch that? If you do this, then I will do this. Think about the famous verse, Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God says, if you call on me, 
then I will answer you. Matter of fact, I'll answer you bigger than you thought I could and that you even asked for. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God says, If you call upon me in faith, trusting in Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection for forgiveness, then I will save you from your sin, take you to heaven when you die. See, the Bible's full of these if-then promises. But do you believe God's a rewarder? Do you believe God keeps His word? Do you believe that if you seek God, that He will reward you? If so, then you have a faith that pleases God. Uh, when, when we think about our lives and you think about why don't, we, why don't we serve God more? Why don't we trust God more? You know, often it boils down to that second part. Do we really believe that God's going to keep His word? I mean, do you really believe that if you tithe, God can do more with 90% than He could if you kept it all? People that tithe believe that. People that don't, don't. Do you really believe that God can bless you if you choose to follow Him? Some people choose to follow Him closely, trusting God to figure out everything else and make up the difference. Others don't follow God as closely because they have to figure it out all themselves. That They don't really trust God to work it all out as they take steps of obedience. See, often our lack of faith comes down to that second part. Do we really believe that God's going to keep His word? What is the result of faith? It's action. True faith always moves people to action. For example, if you really believe that a loved one was in danger right now and you could help them, you would do anything possible to rescue them. Because that's what faith does. If somebody called you right now and said a loved one was just in a terrible accident, they're, they're in the emergency room, we're not sure if they're going to make it, you'd drop everything right now and run out the door. And you should. Because you believed it. And see, when we believe God, it moves us to action. But sometimes we don't believe. You know, sometimes we believe the wrong people. I remember we were in Bible college and on the dorm floor, and there was one guy that was kind of a prankster, and he was very good at impressions. He was crazy intelligent. I used to tell him, you're either going to be the best youth pastor in the world or you're going to be in prison. And I don't know which one it's going to be. Uh, because he was always kind of right there on that line, and he eventually chose to to follow the Lord. Uh, but he he could mimic one of the security guards. Just he could sound just like about anybody, uh, with his voice impressions. And he called the dorm floor one night, and there was one man. Uh, he had a really nice car, a red car. It was kind of a nice car. You know, a lot of Bible college kids didn't have nice cars, and uh, he had a nice one. He was pretty proud of it. And always dressed real nice, dressed to the T, you know. Um, and one night, this this guy, he was in the dorm room right next door to him, uh, to the other guy. And he called from his cell phone. He called the college exchange, called the college number, got transferred up to the dorm room. That was before everybody had cell phones. We actually had phones that hang, hung on the wall where you'd have to literally like leave your dorm room and walk down the hall and like pick up a phone. And then it had this leash on it, uh, a cord to where you couldn't go very far. And uh, he walked down there and the guy on the phone acting like the security guard said, 
said, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but the um, uh, fire department's on their way. Your car's on fire. And I mean, uh, this guy dropped his phone, just like dropped the phone, ran uh, down the stairs, ran through the, the college, ran out to the parking lot, and his car's fine. Man, he came back in. He was hot because he did not want you messing with his car. And he's like running through the, the college in his pajamas. And I mean, but he believed it. And what, what did that faith do? It moved him to action. Now, he believed the wrong person. Uh, just like we've got people today that believe that if we don't save the, the earth, it's not going to be here in 12 years. What do they do? I mean, they get crazy. They get fanatical. They want to change the whole world. I mean, they, they want to change the politics. They, they want to control your life because they really believe the earth isn't going to be here in 12 years if we don't stop using plastics and if we don't, uh, if, if we don't get rid of cows and if we don't stop flying everywhere as they fly in their big jets personally, driving in big SUVs guarded by people with guns while they're trying to take all that stuff away from you. It's insane. But who do you believe? Some people believe that. See, I choose to believe God. And true faith moves us to action. And when we believe there is a God, when we believe that He is, and He is who He says He is, and we believe that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, what does that do? It causes us to come to Him. It causes us to trust Him for salvation. It causes us to trust Him for our lives. And if you believe today that God is real, and if you believe that God rewards them that seek Him, why wouldn't you come to Him today? Why wouldn't you follow Him today? Why wouldn't you trust Him with every single area of your life today? And that faith, that faith, pleases God. But the opposite's true also. If you don't believe that God exists, or you don't believe that He keeps His word, then you won't seek Him. Why would you? But it's faith that pleases God. Consider these three ways you can please God today and we'll be done. Number one, believing the gospel of Jesus Christ pleases God. I've got a lot of verses written down and a lot I could say about it, but I'll just mention it. Believing the gospel of Jesus Christ pleases God. See, if you're lost, you're one heartbeat away from hell. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, there's nothing but the grace and mercy of God keeping you from a, an eternity of hellfire and damnation. God made a way for you to be saved. God made a path. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to purchase it. You don't have to buy it. But you do have to humble yourself and say, I used to believe this. I used to believe being a good person. I used to believe there, there wasn't a God. I used to believe whatever. But today I understand and know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he died on the cross to pay for my sins. And he was buried and three days later he rose again. And the Bible tells me that if I call upon him in faith right now, if you ask him to save you, casting your soul upon him, relying upon him for eternal salvation, he will keep his word. Every time. More than that, 
He's happy. He's pleased. You say, how do you know that? Luke chapter 15, verse 10 says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Saving faith pleases God. God's happy when people get saved. If you're here listening and you're not sure you're saved, if you bow your head right now and ask God to save you, trust Christ as your Savior, it'll make God happy. It'll please Him. Second thing we can do to please God, living by faith in our daily life pleases God. Three times in the New Testament we're commanded to live by faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 Verse 1 tells us, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. The Bible clearly teaches us how to walk uprightly. And walking uprightly, walking according to the Scriptures, pleases the Lord. And the Bible says, I want you to continue in that teaching and to grow in greater heights of faith and obedience, pleasing God more and more. So living by faith today pleases God. Doing what God wants you to do today pleases Him. Not doing what God says is sin today pleases Him. Colossians 1.10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, we can walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Hebrews 13, 16 says, But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. See, when we have faith to live a good Christian life according to what the Scripture says, and to be willing to communicate, that is to give. See, God's a giver. It makes Him happy when we give, too. And walking by faith, living by faith, pleases God. And I'll say lastly, how, how can we please God by faith? This faith that pleases God. Spreading the gospel by faith pleases God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4-8. through 8, I won't take time to read all of it for you. You can read it on your own time today. But the Bible says we were entrusted with the gospel. Now, The world's not going to be happy when you preach the gospel. But God's happy when you preach the gospel. You say, well, I don't want to share the gospel because my friend may not like it. Well, he'll like it if he gets saved. He'll like it if he goes to heaven forever. But what if he doesn't like it and God does like it? Who do you want to please? You see, Sharing the faith doesn't please the devil. A soul winning doesn't please the world, but it does please God. And if you want to please God this week, share the gospel. Take some tracts with you. Pass them out. Find some people to talk to. Share it online. Whatever you can do, God trusts us with the most precious and powerful knowledge in the universe. Think about that. We know how to be made right with Almighty God and live forever in eternal bliss. This is the most precious, the most valuable, and the most powerful knowledge in the universe. And God trusts you and I with it. He doesn't let the angels preach the gospel. 
but he lets you and me. And it pleases God when we obey the Great Commission. So today in this message, Faith Pleases God, we've learned why it's impossible to please God without faith. We've learned the two elements of pleasing faith, and we've learned three actions that can please the Lord. Now we have a decision to make. Will you seek to please men or to please God? Because you can't please both. You've got to choose. I encourage you today to choose to please God. Choose to please the Lord. Faith pleases God. Let's live by faith today. I don't know what you're going through, but you can go through it in faith. I don't know what your finances look like, but you can trust God with it. I don't know what's going on in your heart and your life with your job and your home and everything's in turmoil. I don't, I don't know all the anxiety and the fear and the problems that, that you're facing today, but I know you can trust God with it. God knows every thought in your heart. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every situation in your life. Why in the world wouldn't you trust God with it? He's a loving God, generous, kind, compassionate, giving. He's a rewarder. And he rewards them that diligently seek him. So let's seek him today, man. Let's seek him this week. Because faith pleases God. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to study your word today. We confess our faith in you. We believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for the sins of the world. We trust him for our salvation. And Lord, we confess that we believe, but Lord, help our unbelief when it comes to our daily lives. We are fickle and weak people, and sometimes we get caught up in the craziness around us. And Help us to look past the problems of this world and see you. And remember that you are who you said you are, and you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you, and that faith pleases you. Help us to live by faith today this week, this month, this year, far beyond this corona crisis. Until we see you, Lord, help us to live this life by faith. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you'd be with your people, that you'd protect your churches, your people, that you'd restore freedom back to America, and Lord, that we would use the opportunities you give us to bring you glory. Pray that you'd be with all of our dear folks. We miss them so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate you.